Hey guys, welcome back to the Kingdom Business TV channel here on the Tube. Really appreciate you joining me. You know, what are we trying to do here? Putting out content. Uh, my, my whole purpose here is that I'm trying to raise up thousands and tens of thousands of kingdom entrepreneurs who see the marketplace as their ministry and building a business as a ministry. And we go and impact culture, change the way business is done, ultimately start to see Jesus at the center of the marketplace. So I just wanted to drop that in there. If this is the first time you've ever dropped by the channel, then that is the framework that I'm coming from. What I want to talk about in this one is how to stay motivated. Uh, you know, interesting. I've been been running events for a long time, coaching people for 14 years. Uh, all that to say that this is an area that I see a lot of people struggle with, right? They, uh, they, they struggle to stay motivated uh, all the time. And maybe staying motivated all of the time is elusive and not true. But, you know, there are certain tools, practices that you can have and adopt, which I want to teach here, which are going to help you stay motivated, you know, the far majority of the time. Uh, it's just that what I see is I see people that go through big highs and big lows, fully motivated, pumped, want to tear the world apart, you know, three months later, sitting on a couch, can't be bothered, you know, and then, and that's their journey. And, um, you know, it's not serving you to be like that. It's not serving your destiny to be like that. It's not serving the kingdom for you to be like that. And so I kind of want to unpack that a little bit and, and look at what can we do, right? So that we can draw on a huge amount of motivation all of the time. So I'm going to basically run through, you know, three tools that you can adopt. And we're going to look at them from the perspective of, of scripture and of, of the world of common sense. And uh, we've got some traffic driving by. All right. So essentially, though, I want to draw a distinction between motivation and inspiration, um, you know, like. I see them as very, very different. I think motivation is internal and inspiration is external, okay? Motivation is something that we are 100% in control of. Inspiration is something we draw from, you know, people or places, um, you know, lessons, learning, sermons, things like that, right? I think, I think we don't want to be mixing the two. I, I, think, I think inspiration is great. It's a shot in the arm but it doesn't last, okay? You know, um, like even this talk will be slightly inspirational, but that won't be as powerful in the rest of your life as you working out what motivates you because you can draw on your own motivation 24 seven. Uh, inspiration, you have to draw from others, but it's fleeting and it leaves. It's a shot in the arm, it feels good. It might give you the impetus to move and that's good. But motivation, true motivation has to come from within you, which is good news because then it's controllable by you and it's a well that you can draw on whenever you need to consistently. All right. You probably have heard it said that life is a marathon, not a sprint. Well, I've got some bad news for you. It's not true um, because the reality is if you want to be a high achiever and do something great with your life, then it's both. It is both. It is a marathon and a sprint. Um, if we actually go to marathons, I did a bit of research on Eliud Kipchoge, who is one of my heroes, um, who, uh, who is an African who ran a marathon in just under two hours, I think just last year. Um, and it's not a certified marathon because he actually had people gather around him as, as so that he could kind of get in their slipstream and things like that. But he still managed to run 42 kilometers in one hour 59. Amazing. But what does that mean to be able to run uh, a sub two hour marathon. That means that for 42 kilometers, he ran two minute 52 Ks. 
two minute, so just under three minute Ks. Like, I mean, I ain't no runner, but I run quite frequently. Like, like it, it hurts me to do one K at six minutes and he's done 42 Ks at less than three minutes. It's like, you know, that's what it takes to, to be competitive and to be at the very top of the game. All right. Whereas if, if Elliot had kind of lived to the theory of, well, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint, that he would have gone out there, jogged 42 Ks, you know, slower than anybody else, never made a name for himself, never had an impact, never had an influence. Um, but the truth is, it is a long journey. This thing called life and success and, you know, building a phenomenal business, it's a long, long journey. But what we can't do is we can't cruise through it. All right. It is a marathon, but we have to do it like a sprint and we have to last that thing. That, that's why so few people ever build a great business of any significance and have a huge amount of impact. Very few people that start out right, ever achieve that. Why? Because they don't have the tools, the reasons uh, to be able to run a marathon like a sprint, which is what we've got to do. All right. So tool number one if you're going to stay motivated, is you've got to have a vision, okay? Now, you, you know, I, I don't want to do the surface level Christianity thing where we talk about, you know, without a vision, people perish. It's obviously true, but I want to go a bit deeper than that, right? And, and when I talk about vision, um, I'm talking about a God-sized vision. Um, and I think a God-sized vision needs to be deep, clear, explored, offensive and impossible. What do I mean? Like, I mean, we all like, what do I mean by deep? I, I mean, I mean, it's, it's got to be something that you are enamored with, right? You know, it's, it's got to be something that makes a big impact. It's not, you know, it, it's just not going to be a God-sized vision if it's, if it's to achieve something this big. Okay. I've got a Bible to prove that. Uh, what do I mean by clear? Clear means you've meditated on it. You, you can see it. You can taste it. You can feel it, right? You, you've got you, to have almost experienced it before it ever turns up, right? That's why God gave you an imagination. That's why you can sit there and role play and think about this vision and this destiny that he's got for you, right? Because it, and the clearer, the clearer you can get around it, the more handles you can get on your vision, the clearer it is, the easier it'll be, right? What do I mean by explored? I mean that. I mean, go and dream about it. Think about it. Put yourself in the environments that are quite like it. You know, for me, I kind of always saw myself running events, right? But when I didn't have any following or any ability or much to say, I went to other events so I could see it and see the lights and feel the experience and feel the vibe and soak it up and role play my mind. What if that was me? And what if that was me? Just exploring what this thing would look like. And when I say offensive, I literally mean offensive, you know, like my first thought is, is when I, when I, when I think about Joseph uh, and, uh, you know, you know the story, God gives him a dream that his entire family will bow down to him. Seven years of prosperity, seven years of famine. And some would say that he run his mouth too early, but I don't know about that because it was so ordained. You know, when you think about, uh, when you think about that vision that he was given, that, that he would help his people through the biggest famine uh, of the time. And then, of course, you know, the brothers throw him in a pit and then they sell him. Uh, and, and, but, but just think about that. God organized it so that he was in a pit next to the exact road that the Ishmaelites would come along to want to buy him, right? So God was all over it from the very beginning. Um, and then, of course, you know, but when he shared his vision with people, it was so big that it was offensive. 
you know, and, and for me, like I go around telling people all the time. And by the way, I do share my big dreams with people because it's a great qualifier for who I'm going to let in my world. I'll, I'll say, I say to people all the time, yeah, what's my vision? My vision is that we're going to see Jesus at the center of the business world, that this corrupt Babylonian system that's controlled by the enemy is going to be overthrown by a large group of kingdom entrepreneurs who go into business, do good things, fund projects, and advance the kingdom of God. And they're like, really, you, 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 just you is going to change the entire marketplace. Well, it's not just me, but I'm the one, you know, with, that was seeded that original vision. And when people go, uh, you know, what a load of rubbish. You know, this guy's on drugs. I'm like, great. You can, you can be an acquaintance, but you ain't going to be my friend. All right. So I get to kind of work out. It's a great qualifier, right, for who I let in my world. You know, what's interesting is at the start of the journey, you'll probably share that more, most with the people that are closest to you, right? Maybe mum, dad, maybe brothers, sisters, maybe children, maybe friends, pastors, church people. They're the ones that are most likely to write you off. They're not being malicious, by the way. They just know the person you used to be. And so they hear that vision and compare it to the, the you that they used to know, and they just can't see it. By the way, they weren't meant to see it. The vision wasn't given to them. All right, It was given to you for a reason. Okay, With all the gifts and talents and skills that have been put inside of you, you have the ability to achieve a God-given vision and destiny. Right. So I think that when you've got a vision that is deep, clear, uh, oh, when I say impossible, sorry, I missed impossible. It's got to be impossible. If, if, if you have a vision that you could achieve in your own strength with your own gifts and talents, it's not a God-sized vision. It's got to be mission impossible, right? It's got to be uh, Moses getting the people, um, you know, uh, out of Egypt and into the promised land. It's impossible. He was wanted on murder. You know, it, it was a huge task. It wasn't going to happen. It was Gideon taking on the army with less than 1% of his men, Right. It, it is, is Joshua entering the promised land and taking on 31 giants. Like it's got to be mission impossible. It's Esther standing before the king, making supplication to reverse an edict, right? It is Jesus impossibly living through the cross and defeating the enemy. It is Paul with the impossible task of bringing down the Roman empire with the gospel. It's got to be mission impossible. Mine is, the scriptures are, and yours needs to be. But I think when you've got a vision that's deep, clear, explored, offensive, and impossible, that's where the hunger comes from, right? That's where the fortitude comes from to last the distance, all right? This is not a one-year journey. It's not a 10-year journey. It's a life yielded to Christ, yielded to achieving the vision. But see, like when I think about, when I think about me and I, and I compare myself to the people that I get to talk to in events who possibly aren't producing great results, I just don't see that hunger inside of them. They don't have a big enough reason to go through the trials of the journey to get there and it throws them off. But you know, like for me, when I think about it, like, like I've invested money and I've lost it and I've made decisions. I've employed people who, who turned against me. I've, I've, I've blown loads of money on bad decisions. I've, you know, I've turned up to 700 meetings when the person wasn't even there. You know, I've, I've made heaps of, I've been promised to, lied to, all of that jazz, right? But you know, nothing was really gonna throw me off. And they could have done. Circumstantially, they could have, at, at any point, I, had to, I mean, I had to fight the flesh because the flesh just wants to quit and go back to sitting on the couch and, and playing small. But there's a hunger and a fortitude inside of me that says, that's not going to stop me, and that's not going to stop me, and that's not going to stop me, and that's not going to stop me. And you look around, you know, like 20 years later, and you start to see, actually, there are some, some, some hallmarks of, of success around me. I've actually done okay. And, and that spurs you on to keep going again. But I think when you've got that vision and you've got that hunger, right, that, that ain't nothing going to stop me achieving this thing, 
then you've actually got the recipe and the foundation to last the long distance so that you can actually produce some fruit and help advance the kingdom of God. By the way, I want to know, uh, what is your vision, right? Have you got a vision? Have you got a clear vision that you've documented? Uh, if you have, give me a yes in the comments below. And while you're there, if you're enjoying this, hit the subscribe button for me. I need more people subscribed to this channel. And if you would do that for me, that would be amazing. All right, point number two, uh, if you want to stay motivated, you've got to learn to kill comparison. Kill comparison. All right. What is comparison? Comparison is obviously looking at the world around you, comparing yourself with what you see. The problem is it festers. It's an internal dialogue that dominates every thought, every conversation. It's this constant part of your brain as you look around that's, that, that it's just relentless. And before you know it, you start to believe what the world wants to push down your throat, what the father of lies wants you to believe. You're not good enough, right? You're too fat, too skinny, too black, too white, too yellow, too blue, too squeaky. Too... Before you, like this, this, this comparison world, right? It just takes up far too much of your headspace, okay? And, and I think, you know, 2020, here we are with all the social media platforms that we've got and, and I think it's never been easier to live in a world of comparison, all right? And, and I want to say to you that it is robbing you. It is robbing you and killing you of your destiny because you're looking around to other people and to other things far too much. It robs you of your joy, all right? It robs you of your joy in any moment because you can't be present because you're thinking about all these other things. It robs you of your fulfillment because you can never actually sit there and enjoy things. It robs you of your security because you never actually know if you're good enough because you're comparing yourself to everybody else. And it robs you of speed. You can't be building a business. You can't be making calls. You can't be building momentum. You can't be pressing on. You can't be crushing it. Why? Because you've got this constant drain on you where you are battling with this conversation of, am I good enough? Okay, now let me tell you, there is an entire marketing world that is pushing messages to you all day, every day that you're not good enough and you need their products to be good enough. Let me tell you that you're made in the image of God and none of those products are going to help you move into the image of God, right? Madison Avenue, right? The, the, the five kind of men that run Madison Avenue who are deciding the entire conversation in the marketing world right now and what products are famous and not. Don't let those people shape you, right? Because you're comparing yourself to something that doesn't actually exist. You're comparing yourself to a theory or a process or a marketing message, right? Which is a thin veil of success. And it's going to rob you of all of those things. Listen, you know, there are, there are people around you all the time. Like um, there are people in my space who are far, far further in terms of following uh, and things like that. Like I, I'm actually going to name some people here because because I just want to for fun. And, and I want to preface it by saying, these people are not evil. They're wonderful people made in the image of God, loved by God. But I want to point something out. You know, the, the guys like Gary Vaynerchuk, Dave Ramsey, Grant Cardone, Sarah Blakely, Kylie Jenner. These, these are business people who, um, who are putting out tons and tons of content around their life. But if you actually take a step back, what comparison is doing is comparing the complexities of your life with the highlight reel of theirs. And let me tell you, that's a recipe for disaster, right? Because you know the intricacies of your life. You know your failings and your shortcomings, right? And your weaknesses, you know those. 
because you live with them every day. So when you compare yourself to one of these people, you don't get the full picture. All of those issues that you are intimately knowing, you're comparing against somebody who is filtering out those issues in what they show you. And immediately what the flesh wants to do and the enemy wants to do is trying to convince you that you are not good enough. Well, well, that's not a smart idea. And if I could just run the risk of kind of going a little bit deeper on that and, and being somewhat offensive, those names of those people that I mentioned, to varying degrees, if we think about it, they have become masters of this world. They have risen to the top of the game, okay? Massive followings, huge businesses, sold out arenas, right? Admirable. But, but what that is, if you think about it, is they have become brilliant at mastering the patterns of this world. They are the top dogs in the world system. But my Bible tells me not to conform to the patterns of this world. The very thing that the world celebrates about some of those people's stories is the very thing that becomes a distraction. And my God says to me, that's not what I've got for you. I've got something different for you. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. So it would be crazy on some level to celebrate and emulate somebody who is not living according to the will of God. And so I want to say to you that, yes, you can go and maybe get some they're inspirational people. You can get a shot in the arm. You, you, you can learn from them, right? You can, you can look at the highlight reel and use it as inspiration for you to take another step. But if you spend too much time hanging out with those people on social media, watching videos and learning, then your flesh by nature is going to want to become like them. And then comparison is back in. And before you know it, you're rendered useless, questioning where it all went wrong for you. Listen, I, 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 I'm not going to say don't follow them. like, But be super careful, okay? Because the minute you move into comparison, you have rendered yourself pretty much useless, right? And, and, and to give you a picture of this, that whole conversation around, oh, but they've got a $200 million business and I can barely turn over 400,000 and oh my gosh, they've got this, they just bought a brand new car and I can't even afford and I can't even pay rent. That entire conversation of comparison is like riding a rocking horse. You are flat out in your mind, but you go nowhere. And you wonder why you get to four o'clock in the afternoon or six o'clock in the evening or eight o'clock in the evening and you're exhausted because you spent all day chewing this entire conversation around using all your mental energy, comparing yourself to something that doesn't even exist, isn't real and probably isn't the will of God for your life. So just be super careful where you put your attention. All right, point number three. Actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I wanna find something if I can. I want to find something if I can. So this is God talking to Joshua. So as he does many times in the opening chapter, he says, only be strong and very courageous that you observe to do according to the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. This is the bit I want you to catch. But do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left 
That way you will prosper wherever you go. See, what happens is, as you go on your journey, God's given you the instruction. He's given you the vision. In, in, in Moses and Joshua's case, it's the Torah and the law and those sort of things. You know, now it's your new covenant and a whole bunch of instructions. And Christ alone is enough to draw you forward to your destiny. What he's saying is don't look to the right or to the left. Don't look at what the world has to offer. Don't look at worldly success as your comparison. Don't look at material things as your yardstick, right? Don't look to what others say or don't say about you. What he's saying is keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me and my word and what I've told you and your revelations from me because that is enough. And I think that's the hallmark of the people in the faith who advance the kingdom of God, who have done mighty exploits. They have managed to push the world aside and they might be able to draw on little bits for inspiration, but they keep their eyes on Jesus. They keep their eyes on their destiny and on their vision. And that's what draws them through to being the most fruitful they can be in the kingdom of God. Listen, do not turn to the left or the right. They are all a substitute for Jesus, who will be the ultimate coach, who will be the ultimate inspiration, who will build the well in you for motivation that you'll be able to draw on for the rest of your time. All right, let's go to the third one. Come on, before I get a little bit excited up here, actually, I need to calm down a little bit and there's no better way to do that than to have a cup of tea. Hmm. Very good. Hey, I've got something for you. I like to give away freebies and, um, and so uh, basically what I did, we've obviously got an entire studio and a whole bunch of equipment and, uh, and, and putting out content has never been more important for every business in the world. And so what I did was I sat down with my team and said, can we produce like a dossier on the equipment we use, the good, the bad, the ugly, right? Um, and for everything. And so we did that. And so Pat from my office was good enough to shoot some videos and, uh, and we put together this document, but it's basically an equipment guide. And it tells you through you know, like, like good, better and best for how to, like what cameras to use, good, better and best for audio equipment, podcasting equipment, acoustic treatments, and, uh, and actually more than that. I think there's like stands and lights and everything else. And, and it's completely free. You can get both the equipment guide and a whole bunch of supporting videos explaining why. Uh, you can get that by going to businessgreenhouse.com.au forward slash giveaway businessgreenhouse.com.au forward slash giveaway. You can have that free. All right, let's go to number three. The third tool you need to stay motivated is you need to dig deeper wells. You need to dig deeper wells the higher you go in life, okay? So, so let's kind of look at that from the perspective of that doesn't make sense, right? The further you climb, I'm going to suggest to you that the further you're going to have to dig in what it is that motivates you, okay? So when you first start out in business, of course, life's pretty easy. And, and, I, and I, so I kind of want to get across that motivations change and what motivated you in one season may not motivate you in the next. And in fact, probably just thinking about what I said, what motivates you in one season definitely will not motivate you in the next. They will change over the course of your life. And one of the things that makes people go flat or, 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 you know, or not motivated or turn around or, or play small is because they haven't acknowledged that what was once a motivator is now no longer a motivator, but they didn't realize they needed to find a new motivator that is a deeper motivator to keep them moving. So if you find yourself in a flat spot or in a funk or depressed or depressing, 
then it could very well be and most likely be because you haven't dug deeper in your wells to find a new motivation that's going to take you for the next season in your life. I'm speaking out of experience here because when I first started in business, I had one motivation, money. And by the way, let me say, that's okay at the start of the journey, right? You try, to, you try and be a successful entrepreneur and not be motivated by money. It's not going to work, right? Because I knew I had wages. I had rent, right? Like I had to put petrol in the car. Like, like they were real things that at the start of the journey were my motivation. My motivation for working the extra hours, doing the extra job, my motivation was I need this money to make this month work, all right? So it's okay to have that as your motivation. Um, but speaking out of experience, it won't last. And I remember I, I got to the point where um, I remember thinking, I I've lost my mojo. This is, this is going back a long time. This is the first time I kind of realized that motivations in season changes. I felt like I'd lost my mojo. And everyone's like, oh, you know, for whatever reason. And everyone around you is well-meaning, but they kind of tell you to play small when you lose your mojo. Um, and I, for me, I kind of like listened to them, but it didn't feel right. And, um, and all right, so I run the risk of sounding a little bit douchey here. So if, if I do, then, then feel free to leave. But before you do, subscribe because I need to get my subscribes up. I remember when I got to about a million bucks, I didn't even stop at a million because I knew that wasn't going to change my life, right? And please, I don't want, that's why I mean I don't want to sound douchey because some people will be like, that's what I want in life. Great. But I, my potential was more than that. And so it, it just didn't really register for me. But I remember when I got to about 2 million, I remember thinking, actually, the, the, like, like I could kind of stop now if I really wanted. And if I was to invest that money wisely, I could probably live off that, you know, and, and, and you know, whatever, do what I want for the rest of my life. And, and so the flesh got quite weak, you know, in that moment. And, and it was tempting to, to play, at least play small. I probably would never have quit, but just kind of back off a little bit. And, um, and, I, and I kind of sat in that place for quite a while until I realized I need another reason. I need another motivation to get up. And so, so I had to completely go on a journey of digging deeper and finding what that is. And now that, play, now that has changed many, many times. Here's how I think it looks. I want to give you permission to be motivated by money at the start, but it won't last. At some point, and that, that amount is different for everybody, but at some point, that motivation will not get you out of bed anymore because you will have kind of ticked the box uh, and it's just not there. The, the next one is your own family, right? You know, kind of beyond the immediate needs of money, there's providing for your family. And by the way, that's a phenomenal motivator. Um, you know, like for me, I've got three young girls. They're all going to want to get married. That's expensive. Um, and so, so this providing for my family, wanting to give them experiences and and things like that, like that, that became uh, another well that I needed to dig. And then from there, it went to my generations, right? Like, like you know, I, I'm one generation. I'm, I'm kind of breaking the, the family tree, you know, in, in, in terms of nobody before me ever did much uh, in terms of influence or, or finance. I wanted to be the guy that changed that. But, you know, I want to be remembered by my kids, grandkids and so on, you know. So I've actually got to think generationally, right, and, and start to provide for at least two generations, according to scripture, although I prefer seven. Um, so, you know, that became a bit of a thing for me. And then, of course, the next, the next one for me was influence. And then ultimately, it's probably going to be legacy, right? And I'm, I'm 41 now, so I, I don't feel like I've, I feel like I've, I've got, to, got to dig that well yet. But that's probably what's coming. And let me tell you now, as I stand here today, that if I hadn't found inside of me a deep motivation for wanting to serve people and love people through business, through training, 
through not being the nice guy sometimes and being a bit harsh and telling people like it is like, like that, that is my reason for getting up every day today. My reason for running a business and running a team and getting up my tap, tap dancing to the office. My reason is people. Now I want influence. I want people. I want reach. I want to see people reach their potential. And so let me tell you that that took a little while to get to that point, but it is such a motivation for me that it's no longer about me. And that's why, you know, we would put up with working 20 hour days during summit season and, you know, all of the stuff that goes on and the challenges of running a large business and, and properties and stuff like that. So just kind of want to outline for you. That's a little bit about my testimony. And, and so if you're currently insanely motivated, I want to say that's brilliant, but start preparing for what you're going to need to be motivated for, motivated with next or motivated by next because you don't want to hit a lull in the middle. You want to move from one to the other. If you're not motivated right now, let me tell you that you've got to find another deeper reason to get up every single day. And after money and family, it's probably people. By the way, if you're loving this, do me a favor, hit subscribe. <clears throat> okay. Um, some final thoughts for you. I think one of the things that we need to do if we're going to stay motivated is we need to start to fall in love with the long game. We need to start to fall in love with the fact that it's a life, um, you know, and, and not a season. Seasons will come and go. But when we decide that we want to play full on, achieve a grand vision, you know, fulfill our destiny, it's a lifestyle that we've chosen. It's not something you do in 2020. It's not something you'll have a go at. It's not something you'll see how it goes for three years. It's not something, and people say to me, I'm just going to give this next decade for this. And I'm like super cautious because that's not what, you know, like Jesus didn't say, well, I'll give it a year and see what happens. You know, Paul didn't say, I'll give it a decade. Paul said, I'm in it for life. He was a bond servant to the destiny and to the assignment and to establishing the kingdom of God. And so I'm going to say to you that you need to fall in love with that long journey and, and find that deeper motivation. Um, you need to fall in love with personal growth. See, I, I, I personally believe that beyond the money um, and bigger than the money, the best thing about going through the journey of building a large influential business is the person you become because it's so long and so hard and you've got to depend on the Lord and you see miracle after miracle because you need them, it refines you into becoming a better person, right? I'm a better person today than I was a year ago and I'm probably not as good as I'm going to be in a year, hopefully. So, uh, so you've, got to, you've got to fall in love with that personal growth. And then I think if I was to kind of go down another whole level, I think we need to have a serious conversation around potential. See, see you should be I said you've got to kill comparison. That's com comparing yourself to other people. I think one of the greatest battles and, and fights that we should have is to compete with ourselves. right? Your job is not to compete with the person down the road that is the same business as you. Your, your, your job is not to compete with your parents' level of success and try and outdo them. Your job is to compete with yourself. I get up every day and I want to be better than I used to be, right? And I am I, all I'm driven by, really, is progress. Am I better than I was? Am I doing more? Do I have more influence than I did a year ago? You know, have I got more followers than I did a year ago? Have I got more people that I'm impacting than I did a year ago? Am I more knowledgeable than I was a year ago? That's how I compete. I get up every day and I want to kick my own backside because I want next year to be better than this year and the year after that to be better than next year. So fall in love with your potential. 
Like inside of you is a seed for greatness. We know that because you're in the image of God, made by God. So there is greatness inside of you. If you were to start to meditate on the potential that you could achieve in your life and get clear on that, then you've got one goal when you get up every single morning. Thank God that he put air in your lungs and then try and bridge the gap between where you are and that person that you see as your potential. Get up every day and trying to get you closer. And, and, and towards the end of your life, you will hopefully look exactly like the person that you see in your mind's eye fulfilling the very everything that God had for you in the beginning. Fall in love with your potential. This is what I'm currently working on with the bigger businesses that we coach. I'm trying to get them to understand that you're probably nowhere near your potential if you look at what a yielded life with Christ can do. Let's get really clear on it and then let's get intentional about moving towards that person. It'll be the most fulfilling life you could possibly lead if you get up every day and chase down the very thing and become the very person that God has you to be. All right, we're going to do some little scriptures before I finish. All right, 1, 1 Timothy 1.16 says this. Nevertheless, John, John 16.7 says this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. All right, I love that. It's like, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. That, that would be handy. That would be handy, John. Uh, and the, the original King James is, Verily, 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 I say unto thee, which is when he says verily three times, you know, you've got to take notice. It is your advantage that I go away, Jesus saying, I've got to go away, for I do, if I do not go away, mine says the helper will not come to you. Uh, another's, uh, another's say advocate. But my favorite version, uh, which I don't have the Bible of, is it says, the comforter will not come. Listen, why is it that Jesus, why is it that they sent us a comforter? Well, do you think it might be that the journey is not meant to be comfortable? Do you think it could very well be that Jesus knew that this life was going to be dang hard and insanely uncomfortable? So don't worry, I'll bring you a comforter called the Holy Spirit that's going to guide you and lead you and help you and make way for you so that you can achieve the very thing I've got for you. I'm getting preachy up in this place. Got to be a bit careful. All right, let's, uh, let's do, the, let's do the, the Timothy one. one. 1 Timothy 1, Timothy 1, 16. Let's see if I can find that. Listen to this. However, for this reason, I obtained mercy that in me first, Christ Jesus might show all long-suffering. However, for this reason, I obtained mercy that in me first, Christ Jesus might show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe in him for everlasting life. However, for this reason, I obtained mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe in him for everlasting life. Did you know did you know that your long suffering, that committing to the long game, putting up with the trials of life, finding that motivation, getting up every day, digging deeper wells, finding out what really motivates you, changing, staying, hunger, fortitude. Did you know that just by doing that, it is a witness to the world around you? The long suffering is a pattern to those who are going to believe in him. It's the most attractive life to an unbeliever is one that's yielded to a wildly ridiculous outcome, vision, 
where the Lord must come through so people get to see signs, wonders, and miracles in your life. And that for them is like, this is different. This is not the patterns of this world. The patterns of this world are do it just enough so you can live off your own gain and live happily ever after, right? What Timothy, what Timothy is saying, uh, Paul is saying to Timothy is, is it is a pattern that is attractive to those that are going to go to Jesus for everlasting life. Matthew 10, 16, Jesus grabs his disciples before he's about to go and he says, I'm sending you out as sheep amongst wolves. If you want to know why this journey is hard, because Jesus promised it, I'm sending you out as sheep amongst wolves. Be as gentle as a dove, but as shrewd as a serpent. Now go. He foretold us that when we choose God and when we choose God outcomes and when we choose a godly yielded life, it will be like sheep amongst wolves. He goes on to say, you'll be thrown in jail, lied to, spat on. He promised it. That's why he sent a comforter. Because not only did he say, if you choose me, that's what you choose, but I'm going to give you an enabler, an advocate that's going to help you along the way. Listen, you, you need to find that internal motivation. Don't look to me. Okay, you got this little video here, awesome. Use it as a shot in the arm. Go find other people, use it as a shot in the arm. But ultimately, that motivation has got to come from inside of you. And there are just three tools that you can use right now. Before you go, what was the one thing that jumped out to you? Do me a favor, in all that teaching, those three points, what was the one thing that jumped out to you? Put it in the comments below because I want the feedback loop of what's popping and I'll engage with you. Yes, it's me that writes back to all of the comments because I really enjoy engaging with you guys on this platform. Hey, it's been a delight to teach or preach or yell or whatever at you for the last little bit of time. I'll be back next week with some more info. Bless you guys. No sleep, no rest. Might crash, might. But first I stretch. Tell them run it off.